and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we are analyzing aliens in short controlled bursts. I'm John Engel. I'm Tasha Robinson. And today we're talking about minute number 19, which begins with the cryopods opening and ends with a shirtless cigar chomping man referring to everyone as sweetheart. And Tasha, thanks for coming back again, being my co-host for the fourth time this week. No, oh, I'm having fun. And we have Kwame Opum again today, too. Thanks for coming back. Hey there, it's good to be back. All right, so we're right in the middle of the cryopod. You know, we just have seen the cryopods. They're markedly different than the ones from Alien, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if nothing else, they aren't arranged in a flower shape, which the... Right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's just one of the most striking things uh, that always sticks with me about Alien is that little circle of cryopods and that that pure white room and Ridley Scott's slow, like extremely 2001 A Space Odyssey influenced sequence of time lapses as they slowly open and as people kind of unfold slowly out of them in these very balladic movements. These are gunmetal gray and they're lined up they're lined up in ranks like the Marines themselves are. Yeah, I was going to say too, I mean, it, this feels very industrial. We get the raw tubing and wiring all in the background. We have grates underneath it. Everything seems like these were, you know, this was definitely not for aesthetic purposes at all. We were like, this is straight up industrial cryopods for military use only. And yeah, it feels so much different. And music, there's no music here. Like we got the biggest possible, I think the biggest swell of music in the whole movie in Alien is when these cryopods open. There's also just sort of the interesting contrast of instead of everybody dressed in white, uh, you've got every, everybody except uh, the women dressed in military khaki. You know, <laughs> You're, they're, they're wearing their, their military issued shorts here. Still a lot of skin though. It's definitely a very different aesthetic. Like it's very they're there for a purpose. They're there for a job, as opposed to the kind of explorer-esque space trucker thing going on in Alien. Also, the like I keep coming back to the flower metaphor with uh, the cryopods in Alien, but the lids on those things were just these plastic canopies that were curved and they're kind of soft and organic and they they feel like flower petals the lids here which open in two directions there's sort of a a handle type thing that comes up from the bottom that is reminiscent of the power loader we're going to see later in the film you know it looks like a big piece of industrial machinery and then the sort of curved inner shell that looks like a little more like the the flower petal uh, pod lids is held down underneath the thing so the way that they open up this this kind of two segment thing like looks really impractical to me from an industrial standpoint but it's just it's mechanically very different it's visually very different you kind of get the sense that they're cargo more than an alien yeah definitely you also get the sense that that big arm and the in the the makeup, the metallic makeup of it all makes it makes you feel like they're maybe a little bit more protected or that they're expecting problems like perhaps in cryosleep if some sort of violent action were to happen to them. I mean, they're military. They're supposed to be prepared for such things. So you get the idea that it's a more sturdy thing, too. But it's just so much different. And again, we're getting more and more disparity from Alien. We're, we got the ship. The ship's completely different. How it's framed is completely different. Now we don't. We don't explore the hallway like we did the Nostromo. We're getting right to the point. And now it's very industrial, uh, militaristic, and we're getting further and further away from Alien, I think. 
That said, uh, there is sort of a similarity here in that when the the lids pop up, you get the shot just down the row of all of these bodies in a row. And we, we talked a lot when we talked about Alien about the integration of space, just the fact that you had, uh, you know, black and white and male and female people all working in this 1979 idea of what the future would be like here you're just looking down a row of bodies and you're seeing a, a lot of different skin tones and because they're all in their underwear you're, you're seeing a lot of skin it's not it's not accidental it's not something that you're going to miss but just like within this uh individual shot you're seeing like literally a white guy a black guy and a woman who's playing a latino woman all lined up right next to each other and it just, it becomes a visual contrast where you, you kind of realize, like, this is a very integrated group. This is a very racially diverse group. And that's kind of your first image of them, your first impression of them. Well, I was going to say another comparison to uh, actually to our specific discussion from, from Alien, Tasha, was that we were, when you were on the show, we were talking about the scene where everyone's sitting around the breakfast nook, I think we called it, and rolling cigarettes and so on. And you pointed out um, how how noticeable and how remarkable it was that in 1979 there was clearly a person of color in charge of of, of a white man, and here we get the exact same thing, right? We get Apone popping out of bed. I mean, maybe I'm getting jumping too far to the end of the minute here, but Apone's the first one up, shoves that scar in his mouth, and he starts kicking people's butts out of the bed, right? And immediately we get without comment. Uh, it's not strange at all that this there's a person of color that's in charge of everyone here. Now we find out that he's not in charge of everyone there, but right now we get the impression that he is at least, and it's you know this is I mean this is a pretty good future, right? At this point, we don't care. Nobody's uh, bothered by this at all. Everybody somewhat respects his authority, but I think that any disrespect of authority is a whole other issue than that. I love Apone. Apone, <laughs> Apone is hilarious to me. I'm always tickled by the fact that he has a cigar in the cryos chamber with him. I, I am too. I think it's one, of, it's one of the nicest touches that he's, before he gets in that cryo pod, he sets that cigar. I mean, I guess presumably like on his lap, that kind of seems like he reaches down to his lap and it shoves it in. And I think that's a great touch. And it tells you right away who he is. This is good old fashioned uh, movie, you know, getting to the point characterization where you know the guy that's going to shove the cigar in his mouth and get up and start barking orders. That's the drill sergeant character that we've seen a million times. We don't need to talk about it. Like, kind of cartoony, but really cool characterization. The look on his face when he kind of snaps, too, is just hilarious, too. He just, he gets this look on his face that's like, okay, here we go. And, I mean, it takes him one second to gather himself, and then it's straight into the mouth with the cigar. But it's just, it's a really... It's a really funny look, um, especially you can see Vasquez over his shoulder uh, with her hair, her head kind of like lolled back and her eyes kind of open and blank. Uh, and just the the contrast between them here is, is pretty funny. But I also just I think it's interesting that the the awakening from cryosleep sequence in Alien took so long. Like they started sitting up, their eyes weren't open yet. They're like baby birds just hatched out of the egg and like not yet ready to fly. And you can see the slow process of like the mentally unfolding and coming back from the sleep. Whereas Apone's like, awake, 
on your feet. Like it's, it's like nothing. And part of that is just the pacing is different here, but part of it is that these people are, they're people of action. You know, they're, <laughs> they don't have time to spend being baby birds. They're hitting the mats. Well, that's why you got to have this drill sergeant guy up and screaming at you as soon as you get up. There's the, I mean, I've been, these guys would probably roll over and go back to bed if it wasn't for Apone. And I get the idea that Apone has probably done this a bunch more times than anybody else in the room. So waking up from cryosleep for him is is probably nothing compared to, to the crew of the Nostromo. You can't imagine that they go on too many of those missions. I mean, they're supposed to be gone for seven years and or so on uh, on the Nostromo. So cryosleep is actually an event for them. And for him, I, I'm, be- I'm betting it's less so. Yeah, you definitely get a sense that it's exhausting for a bunch of them. A lot of them are bleary-eyed and everything. But are they really any more bleary-eyed than they would be if they were rolling out of their bunks at four in the morning to go, you know, run 28 clicks, carrying 80 pounds of gear, like on a just a standard exercise run? I mean, it's just this feels so much like any number of other like military, you know, grab your gear and hit the deck kind of moments. We have to remark on how quick they are to just jump right into the witty banter as soon as they wake up. I mean, uh, we got somebody who's immediately griping about getting paid enough before he wakes. It's like he went to bed thinking, okay, when I wake up, I'm going to, this is the complaint I'm going to have ready. <laughs> because how else do you think to say that as soon as you wake up? Apone you know, has, <laughs> has his cigar ready and Spunkmeyer has his complaint ready. <laughs> exactly. You got to have these things ready. I mean, let's get to it, people, like uh, Apone says. Okay. Anybody else want to come in with a note? Uh, Bill Paxton. First appearance of Bill Paxton. Rest in peace. Oh, Bill. Yeah, we've talked about him a little bit. It's, ah, it's a tough one. <laughs> I love Bill Paxton. And this is where I fell in love with Bill Paxton. I don't remember him before this movie. And he comes right out. I mean, this is I can talk about this a bit in the next minute, too. He comes right out big. Like he's got to be the guy coughing when he wakes up, you know. He's kind of he's got to stand out in the crowd, and and it's perfect for this role. And and you know we get him. There's no wasting time characterizing Hudson. Uh, we get him right away as soon as he wakes up. And he's doing that little thing with his tongue that like is just instantly recognizable. Is my mouth tastes bad? I'm sure it would. Yeah, I've got morning morning breath. Cryo. I've got cryo breath. That's what that's what his facial expression is saying. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I wonder what the what that air inside those cryopods <laughs> is like after all that time. Yeesh. Yeah, my question is, what happened to Michael Bain? Whatever happened to him as an actor? That's a good question. We talked about that a little bit earlier. I, you know, I'll be honest. When I was a kid, when I say kid, like 12, 13 years old, I thought that guy was cool. I mean, uh, Kyle Reese in Terminator, I thought he was amazing. And to me, he was a big star. I thought he was going to be a big star. And when The Abyss came out, which was about that time, I was 12 or 13 when The Abyss came out, he was amazing in that movie, right? Like at the time, I don't know. I haven't watched The Abyss in a long time. But it seemed like a bravado performance. You know, I thought he was really going to break out. And then you're right. He disappeared. And other than Tombstone, maybe. I can't remember much else about him or what he did after that. But he, he does the uh, you know Comic-Con circuit and everything. He goes to all the reunions and, and stuff. So... It's a good question, though. And that's the, the we have a nice little moment with him here, don't we? Just like one second. We're getting kind of one second characterizations of everybody. And his one second characterization is kind of like meeting Ripley's eyes. It's like sort of an acknowledgement, an early acknowledgement that we need to have that's uh, 
you know, the two of them are going to mean something to each other by the end of this movie. That he's like, he's an important character. Like, all we get is a look from him. But it's that look of, you know, I'm a, I'm a real person. You don't know me yet, but I'm a real person. You're going to need to get to know me. Well, right. We're, what we're getting is a, a cartoony kind of uh, witty remark made to him, which he does not respond to. You know, we immediately get the idea this guy is not these kind of goofball guys that the rest of the Marines seem to be. He's not up with the witty banner. He's just getting up. He's a man about business. And it turns out that that's the way he is to the whole movie. He's got character. He's just not as cartoony as some of these other guys. And and it sets him apart. And then that's Garmin sort of anally picking the, the things off his chest, right? He's just, he's got this look on his face. Yeah, all the way in the background there? No, no, in the foreground in front of a pone when they're getting up. The guy who's, uh, he's just got this expression, like, as if he'd woken up and he was covered with leeches. It's just kind of, nah, get these things oh, off yeah. me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if they would have spent any more time with him on the wake up uh, from cryosleep, I think it would have been a little bit of a comedy moment. Surely this is not something he does very often. He'd be the exact opposite of a pone, I would imagine. <laughs> how precise like uh, looking at the script there's not really there's not a lot of uh detail here about exactly what they should be doing in these shots and i wonder how much these little things the uh you know hicks (laughs) my mouth tastes like feet look and uh gorman's uh, get these things off me and and hicks doing his little like that thing that he's doing with his arm is I mean, he's just sort of running his hands through his hair, but it's also like that is a position that you put your arm in when you're uh, showing off your muscles to the girls. And he's like (laughs) looking up and playing with his hair and showing off his his triceps right there. And these are all just like I said, he's cool. (laughs) And he knows it. Yeah, he does know his 90s haircut. 86 was a good year. It was a solid year for for guys with sandy blonde hair, <laughs> Val Kilmer and Top Gun. <laughs> you know what I kind of wonder? In the decades since the original film, between that and this movie, has cryosleep not improved to prevent your mouth tasting like feet? Like, what happened? Yeah, I don't know. You would think that they would, like I said, the air in there would have a lot to do with that. They could just, like, a fine mist of... of Banaka or something in in the cryo tube might help to save that. I don't know. <laughs> You're sure not a fine mist of like odor eaters. Odor. Well, I'm thinking more about the breath, the the morning mouth. You know, I'm trying to. You might wake up with nice fresh minty breath if you had a little banaka. I mean, it could be a mixture of things. Who knows? Well, yeah, you would think that that would definitely be something you'd want to think about. Well, see, now I'm just thinking about what James Franco's character wakes up with in uh, in Alien Covenant. So, you know, it is possible. Yeah, Banaka is highly flammable. <laughs> oh, no. And now we know what happened because that it never really made any sense to me that uh, the inside of that yeah, thing. That's exactly. It was because it was because of yeah. early experiments in flooding those cryopods with Banaka. <laughs> yeah, because Banaka is still such a relevant product now. It surely will be in the future. <laughs> Well, not not <laughs> after incidents like that. After that, they just went, eh, no. you, can, you can just wake up with oh, the mouth. St- That's fine. <laughs> yeah, their stock plummeted after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no.
No, I, it seems to be a universal truth uh, throughout the Aliens franchise that people do not like going into hypersleep. And uh, the cranky way they always seem to wake up may be just an indication of how much it sucks. But nobody's ever happy to go into cryosleep. Yeah, it's it's interesting, though. Like, we didn't... There were different versions of the alien cryopod wake-up scene where we would have gotten more of this talk that we get, the complaining that we get. Obviously, Parker, in the novelization... I can't remember. I don't think it's in any of the screenplays, but in the novelization for Alien... Parker wakes up complaining just like these guys do, you know, complaining about the company, keeping it too cold in there while they're asleep and so on. Uh, but these these Marines, I mean, it's more in the next minute. We should maybe save it for them. But these guys wake up complaining right away. And I think in the I think tomorrow we're going to have to talk about Marine behavior and military decorum a little <laughs> bit because it's interesting how different this is from the idea that I've always had of it. I mean, uh, Apone doesn't wake up uh, complaining like that. The very last second of the shot, just like look at that smile on his face. Like he knows he's in charge. He knows he's pulled himself together faster than anybody else. He's got his cigar in hand. He's doing good. Yeah, well, you're also less likely to complain when you're the guy that gets to yell at everybody. <laughs> I mean, that's his way of venting. And he, if he doesn't feel so good waking up, he at least gets to like take it out on everybody there. So it's got to be kind of fun. You can tell that he enjoys it. And, you know, also he's probably getting yeah. paid more. So that helps. That's true. But, you know, it's got to be fun. If you're those drill sergeants, the Arlie Army and Full Metal Jack, it's got to be fun sitting down at night writing these clever things to say, you know, about breakfast in bed and, and whatnot. But, you know, he's got those all ready to go. And he just loves, he just relishes the point where he can unleash them on these on these poor troops that have to hear it all. Wait, where did he get that head? <laughs> where did he get that hat? He must have had it in the... I mean, he probably stuck stuck it under his leg or something in the cryopod. <laughs> He's ready to go. He had a cigar. Are you surprised he has a hat? Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he had an umbrella in there. <laughs> okay, I wouldn't be. Unless he's going... He, he's going for the Mary Poppins thing? <laughs> He somehow anticipated Guardians of the Galaxy 2, yes. and he, he's decided that uh, being Mary Poppins is cool, so he had an <laughs> umbrella stuffed I in there. So. All right, maybe umbrella was going too far. I just, I like a man who's uh, capable of exuding smug authority while wearing nothing but a hat, a, like, some kind of little medallion, and, uh, you know, his, they're, they're not tidy whities they're baggy greenies, <laughs> you know, his military issue underwear. But he's still large and in charge. He sure, he definitely is. Gotta love Apon. All right. Well, you guys uh, got anything else for this minute? Mm-hmm. Nope. That's it for I'm me. Good. I think I'm ready to move on for more Apone tongue lashings tomorrow. All right, Kwame, you want to remind everybody where they can find you online? Of course. Uh, you can find me on The Verge writing about entertainment and tech. And you can find me on Twitter at Kwame Opom. And Tasha? Uh, you can find me on The Verge writing about film and TV uh, over at NPR Books writing about books. You can find me talking about film on the Next Picture Show podcast and on Twitter talking about whatever comes to mind at Tasha Robinson. And you can find us at AlienMinute.com or on Instagram at Alien Minute Podcast, Twitter at Alien Minute Pod, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any other podcatcher you can find us on. All right, well, that'll do it for Minute number 19. We'll uh, see you tomorrow for Minute 20.